we said. The Press Box. Do you remember? Uh, the 21st night of September, it's uh, that day, so uh, everybody's singing Earth, Wind & Fire today. Even those of us here inside the Press Box podcast. Hi guys, Mike Grace from my partners, Chris Stewart, J.D. Byers. Glad to have you aboard as we offer up just a slice of what you can hear each and every weekday on great radio stations around the state of Alabama. Want to find out where? Well, visit our website, pressboxradio.com. You can check the affiliates page there to find the station nearest you. Also on the episodes page, hear the show on demand hour by hour, or simply press the listen button to hear the Press Box anytime, 24-7. A fun podcast today as we visited with Ivan Mazel. He is the vice president, editorial content, and lead writer for On3Sports.com. He was in Gainesville in front of 90,000 there for the Alabama-Florida game this past weekend and said, man, it sure felt good to have college football back. You know, you forget. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we missed it last year, but you forget what you were missing until you see it again. Uh, the game matched the atmosphere, too. It, you know, it, it turned out to be an incredible game, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to say out loud that college football is back because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't want to jinx it, but boy, it sure felt normal, didn't it? It did. And I mean, it was great to see there, uh, in Gainesville, but the atmosphere for that one, I, I know part of it is when you haven't been around one in a while, it, it tends to take on maybe a different feel, different meaning. But that was very unique, wasn't it? The the noise level, the atmosphere as a whole, the way that the feeling in that stadium in the fourth quarter of the contest was by any standards of time, I thought very, very unique. Well, and you you hit on it the fourth quarter. You know, I, I it was fascinating to me that you know the the Gator crowd was really loud on the opening possession and, and Alabama went right down the field and in the next possession, it wasn't quite as loud. And, and by the second quarter, you could hear a guy 40 yards away, open a package of peanuts. You know, I mean, they were, they were pretty dispirited, but it, you know, as, as Florida kind of reestablished itself in the game, the crowd came back and, and by the fourth quarter, it was, I mean, the players talked about it, and, and I'm sure everybody listening watched it. Uh, you know, it, it was uh, – that's what – you know, that's why we all do what we do is, is for moments like that, to be part of them. They actually went – for those that weren't there, didn't hear it while watching on television, they went from booing Florida into the first quarter, early second – to giving them basically a, a standing ovation as they left the field following the loss itself. There was, it was, it was rather bizarre in, in that sense, yeah, I thought. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I couldn't believe they were booing. Uh, you know, I mean, they're, I mean, and, and, you know, maybe the, maybe they were booing Mullen. I don't know, but uh, I don't know how you boo kids, but that's a good point. they were doing it. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything flipped and, and they got back on, on board. And, uh, it was, uh, it was fun. It, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, I don't know. We might see that game again in December in Atlanta. But, you know, that's what we'll all, you know, just patiently let happen and find out. But that, that was a terrific SEC event. Ivan Mazel with us and we'll, we'll talk other things, but that Florida Alabama game, 
that was a 20 to 10 advantage second half, Florida outscoring Alabama. If that game plays one more quarter, is a Florida Gator team a winner? And Ivan, I kind of ask you, what's the final score in that one? Because it looked like all the momentum was with the Gators. Well, it was, except for the fact, and, and Nick Saban alluded to this in his press conference after the game, when, you know, I think there was the classic knowing how to close out a game and, and, and wishing you knew. In Alabama, when they absolutely had to make a play, they made it. You know, I, the offense that had just ground to a halt in the middle of a game, you know, they they found a way to make that drive for a touchdown late in the third quarter. Then they found a way, and yeah, they, you know, they had a false start at fourth and one on the goal, but that was a six-minute drive in the fourth quarter. You know, they – and, and the field goal made the difference. You know, it turned it into an eight-point game. And, and uh, I think what impressed me about Alabama is even though they didn't have their best stuff, they found a way to get the other team out, uh, you know, and, and didn't beat themselves. You know, Florida goes home and they're thinking, uh, we missed an extra point. We didn't, you know, we didn't execute the two-point play. Uh, we had four pass interference penalties. And – all the little things that happen that make a difference. And, and Alabama, with a guy making his third start at quarterback, you know, still hadn't thrown an interception. Uh, just, you know, this, is, this team, as young as it is and, and, you know, maybe as cocky as it was coming in, they didn't make the mistakes that you make when you lose a game. It, it's fascinating to, to me as somebody who sees every game is there, host coaches TV show every week. I, I realize they are not the same roster that they were this time last year and certainly not what they were at the end of last season, Ivan. And yet the expectation for, the, for Alabama is to be that and play at that level, even though I think rationally people understand it's not the same team. That was a historic group with six first-round draft picks last year that are off that roster, and no matter how many stars are next to the name of the guys playing now, they aren't those guys from one season ago. No, Alabama's not. They're nowhere near as good as they were last year. You know, and 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 they may never be as good as they were last year for a long time. But but specifically to to this team, they're not that good and. Uh, you know, they're, they're very talented and, but they're young and I think getting hit in the mouth the way they did Saturday will, will probably help, you know, realizing that just cause I walk out on the field wearing this helmet, you know, doesn't mean I'm entitled to anything. And, you know, I, uh, I know I'm beginning to parrot Saban the way everybody else does, but, you know, I, I think, Human nature is that there's a sense of entitlement, you know, for young guys who, uh, you know, got a ring and think that because, you know, they were, you know, they were on the bench when when the team won the ring that, that you know, they're good enough that they won the ring and, and they got a ring. But, you know, now they, they're the ones responsible and they've got to do it and they've got to do that work every single day. And I think Saturday was a wake up call. 
on three.com is the website. And, uh, I've been major, major part of that. Forgive me the title, the title there, which I know titles and, and 50 cents will get you a donut or a cup of coffee or used to anyway, <laughs> but tell me, tell me, tell me again what it is with, with on three, I've, and I apologize. Oh, my title, I'm a vice president of editorial and, and senior writer, but that, you know, that you're right. Uh, you know, it looks good title, on a business card though, give right? Me a Krispy Kreme, you know, there uh, you you know I, I'm doing the same thing I've always done. I understand. So I've, I, I said it earlier before you came on, the great thing about what we do is we get front row seats at some of the great games and experiences in college sports, such as the one Saturday in Gainesville, the downside, we miss all the others uh, that, that people yeah. sitting at home watching all the games get a chance. You wrote about one, the Southern Miss finale uh, against Louisiana Tech, and that may not have been – SMU. Us, SMU, SMU. Yeah, I'm yeah. so sorry. Forgive me. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, it was maybe not a must-watch for many people – but after the fact, when they started hearing about it, it was a must-find to go and, and see what happened at the end. Yeah, I, I talked to Sonny Dykes, the head coach at SMU, uh, Sunday night. And uh, if you haven't seen it, SMU hit a Hail Mary with six seconds left, 33 yards, executed a, uh, you know, a, a tipped pass play just perfectly. And... You know, what, what Sonny said was it wasn't just that play. Everything that they needed to do over the last three minutes in, in 18 seconds, I think it was, they did exactly right. And down to calling the right defenses to, uh, you know, to maximize the time the offense would have when they got the ball back, using the three timeouts you know, when Louisiana Tech had the ball to get the ball back. And they had uh, some uh, 30-something seconds left, no timeouts, and they're on the, their own 27-yard uh, line, and they got to get – they got to go score a touchdown. And, and from there, uh, Tanner Mordecai, the Oklahoma transfer quarterback, you know, he throws three passes – completes three passes – each one for first down yardage stops the clock, you know, spikes the ball twice. I mean, everything worked perfectly down to, uh, you know, the actual play itself. Uh, three receivers on the wide, wide side, one guy on the boundary who goes down and, and his, his job is to stand next to the scrum. And the receiver in the scrum tipped it perfectly to him. A right-handed receiver tips it with his left hand softly i mean it was just you know everything that had to happen you know any one thing would have screwed it up and and it all worked and if you can see the highlight with the smu radio call it's amazing because the smu radio guy really gives it life we had a guy uh, i know you're going to know this fellow he was on our show not once but twice uh ivan dale hansen who had to break that smu story way back in the death penalty yeah, Dale uh, just retired. Uh, Dale is a legend in Dallas, and uh, is about to retire if he hadn't already. But he's been at WFAA in Dallas for about you know 130 years and doing the you know the 10 o'clock sports, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, 
he is Dallas. He is Dallas sports. There's no question. The, the uh, and I bring that up because he was synonymous with breaking the the SMU scandal and the pay for play, et cetera. But yep. uh, you you talked to Sonny Dykes. You followed that win. Kind of put it into context of how much time it took to come back from a death penalty. But the meteoric rise, maybe not this year, but years previous, you know, breaking into the top 25 and how that program has rebuilt. Well, Sonny is a great example, Chris, of, of, of fit, you know, being in the right place. Uh, he's a Texas, state of Texas guy. You know, his dad, of course, was the coach at Texas Tech forever and uh, Spike Dykes. And Sonny uh, had success at Louisiana Tech and then takes a job at Berkeley, you know, he coaches Cal. And he, w- he was in the wrong place. You know, he was in the wrong place. And uh, he was there, I think, four years. It didn't work. Uh, and he came back, and he, know, he knew, you know, he is Texas. He's got so many connections in Texas. And he's gone in there with a very effective uh, plan of recruiting, getting Dallas kids to stay home and in convincing them that, you know, and this is even before NIL, convincing them, stay here, play here, you know, be Dallas's team. And, and it's worked. And, yeah. uh, he, you know, he's hired some bright young recruiters out of the Dallas high schools, and, and uh, they got it going on. I mean, you know, Cincinnati is the best team in the American, but SMU is the, you know, they're going to make some trouble. Ivan Mazel is our guest. I'm Chris Stewart along with J.D. Byers and, and Mike Grace. And uh, Ivan, we talked to Alabama a little earlier. I want to go to the other side of the state and in that Penn State-Auburn game. I don't know if you were you were stuck in the grass parking lot like we were and, and listened on radio <laughs> rather than watching the first half. But uh, Swamp. That, that ball game was really good and I thought it other than winning, it was maybe ideal for a first year head coach such as Brian Harson and also ideal for James Franklin because it was one that he really needed to get at home. Well, first of all, Chris, I'm still stuck in the parking lot. You know, the mud I understand. Was, you know, uh, so deep. Um, yes. Uh, no, it, it was, I, I ended up because of the rain, I stayed in the press box until. Uh, I think the fourth quarter, just waiting for the rain to dissipate and then listen to the rest of it, driving uh, back to Jacksonville Saturday night. And uh, what I was struck with was, you know, the power of the whiteout, you know, everything we said about the swamp, you know, plus another 15,000 people and the way that Auburn uh, held it together in that sort of atmosphere, you know, I, I kept thinking last week, none of these kids or or more than half of these kids, I won't say none, more than half these kids have never played in front of a crowd like that. If you think of freshmen and sophomores, you know, they didn't get to do, they didn't play in front of anybody last year for all intents and purposes. Uh, And, and it's, if you haven't done it, or even if you haven't done it in two years, it's jarring. And I thought Auburn held it together well. Uh, you know, and that's that's a building block for them for, you know, as they get into the meat of the SEC schedule. Uh, you know, that said, Penn State's a good team. And uh, James Franklin is a resourceful coach. You know, he's, he's good on the sideline. Uh, they're a talented bunch. And, um, 
I just it was a it was a great intersectional game. I I hope with all my heart that Auburn will go to another Big Ten campus before twenty two eleven. Yeah, I don't want him to do it every 90 years. <laughs> here, here. Uh, we love his, his uh, insight on this radio program. Ivan Mazel, VP of Editorial Content and Senior Writer for On3 Sports. Find his work at on3.com. Find him on Twitter. It's Ivan underscore uh, Mazel. And again, only a couple of minutes left, Ivan, but I, I, I wanted to ask you about the new book. We're about a month away from the release of I Keep Trying to Catch His Eye. I know it's about your late son, Max, and and, and and can you tell us about the process it took to, to put this to paper? Well, the, you know, look, guys, well, thank you for asking. First of all, the pub date is October 26th. It's available for pre-order now. You know, and the, the hard part was just getting, it was, was, was living, you know, trying to figure out what happened and, and trying to learn how to live with grief and understanding that you know my life and uh, you know my family's life was going to keep going and and how do you on the one hand handle the grief and on the other hand do it in a way that it doesn't keep you from enjoying the rest of your life you know because if if you do that then you lose twice and that's really you know the book is about max and it's about what happened uh, how Max died. He ended his life as a junior in college uh, six and a half years ago. And how we learned, and I, I say we, it's really about me. It's not about as much about my, my wife and my daughters, how I learned to carry the grief and keep going. And, uh, you know, I, I think if there's some lessons there that I hope help other people. Once again, the name of that book, I Keep Trying to Catch His Eye. You can Google Ivan Mazel and find out more about that. Look forward to it. Our thanks again to Ivan Mazel, Vice President, Editorial Content, and Senior Editor for On3Sports.com. Find his work online at On3.com, and you'll find him on Twitter at Ivan underscore Mazel. That's today's Press Box Podcast. For my partners, Chris Stewart, J.D. Byers, hey, here's a couple things you can do for us. If you like what you hear, you can uh, review us, you can like us, you can share us with a friend. Tell them to search for Press Box Radio 1. That's Press Box Radio and the number one wherever they find their favorite podcast. Apple and Google, plus iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Press Box Radio 1. That they'll give to you the Press Box Podcast. We'll see you again tomorrow for another edition of the Press Box.